Anglicans are heirs of a rich tradition of Christian faith and life. That tradition stretches from today's worldwide Anglican communion of millions of believers on six continents back centuries to laymen like William Wilberforce, who led the abolition of the slave trade in England, to bishops and martyrs of the English Reformation like Thomas Cramner, and to missionaries like Augustine of Canterbury and St. Patrick, who spread the gospel throughout the British Isles. Throughout these centuries, Anglicans have articulated their faith in reference to the classic sources of doctrine and worship. All true doctrine, Anglicans believe, is derived from Holy Scripture, which is the wellspring and ground for testing all that is taught in the church. St. Paul instructs the church, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Article 6 of the Articles of Religion states, Whatever is not read therein, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man, that it should be believed as an article of the faith. In keeping with this rich tradition, diverse and historic tradition of doctrine and worship, we have received a catechism and commend its use for the building up of the church today. Welcome to Living Through the Word. I'm Julian Dobbs, the Diocesan Bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word and host of this podcast. And I'm honored to be joined this week by the Reverend Lee Nelson, Rector at Christchurch Waco in Texas, a Master Catechist and member of the Anglican Church in North America Catechesis Task Force. Lee, thank you for joining us today. Great to be here. Lee, just tell us a little bit about you. That's a lengthy introduction, and we'll come back to the piece that I just read from the preface uh, of sure. um, the catechism. But you're a rector. Tell us about your ministry. Yes, so I've been a priest for 14 and a half years now. Uh, about six years ago, I came to Waco uh, to work with a group of 25, 30 people to plant a church here. Um, and... Uh, it was actually Ash Wednesday of 2014 that I started. <laughs> it's a good way to start. This is anniversary and, uh, period for you. Yeah, and during that time, I've been planting. I've been planting a ch another church in addition to that down in College Station, Texas, and uh, I've been here, and uh, we've been going really, really, really uh, out of it full speed ever since. And um, the church has grown uh, incredibly, and uh, just it's an amazing amount of things happening. So. Uh, it's it's a it's a fun time. I'm I'm actually sitting in the old uh, office of our of our church building, which used to be a uh, a Lutheran church. I was actually first Lutheran of Waco, and uh, we wound up buying all of their property and taking it over. So it's a, it's been a really neat thing. Well, thank you for sharing some of that journey with us. I've had the privilege of talking with Lee on a number of occasions, particularly with regards to the development of. Uh, uh, the Catechism, which we're going to talk about today, which is such a gift to the Anglican Church in North America. And let me thank you, Lee, uh, to you and your team uh, for the incredible work you've done on this project. I read something from the preface at the beginning of this episode. Can you define catechesis for us? What is it? 
Why is this important? And why did you and the team spend uh, so long uh, in developing uh, this catechism? Sure. Catechesis is the New Testament word for instruction. Um, it appears five times in the New Testament. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a significant word in that uh, in the early church, the method and means of instructing new believers in the ways of Christian believing and prayer and in living uh, was called simply that, catechesis. Um, and it's actually a word which uh, continues on even in Latin and in other languages to be used very strongly. Uh, the reformers really saw that at the heart of the reforms they were undertaking was a need to uh, resurrect this work of catechesis, um, which had been lost mainly because, uh, you know, at a certain point you become a victim of your own success. And uh, <laughs> with Christians all around, it's uh, it, it sort of makes sense to not, well, it doesn't ever make sense, but it it, uh, it makes sense that the practice of catechesis would uh, really start to uh, collapse. And so um, the reformers believe that it was their God-given duty to restore catechesis uh, to the church. Um, and so uh, they did that through writing uh, catechisms, um, documents that are written in question and answer format, uh, to uh, instruct uh, the people in the in 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 the faith, and uh, it was uh, Roman Catholics who actually responded in kind with catechisms of their own, uh, and uh, that's that's been um, uh, something that in the last I would say century and a half has been lost yet again. Uh, <laughs> that that practice was lost uh, mainly because uh, the the practice there were a couple factors as I understand it. One is that uh, normal everyday pastors started to let go of that teaching ministry and hand it over to, to lay people, particularly Sunday school teachers, etc. Um, and another thing that happened was uh, really in the modern era, um, catechesis became something of a bad word. <laughs> it started to uh, take on a flavor of, uh, kind of boredom or um, uh, rigor or uh, just kind of mindless droning. And, uh, and as a student of catechesis through the years, uh, for much of my, really my entire adult life, um, I came to see it as anything but boring. And, uh, and really, uh, when, when the opportunity came to be a part of uh, being on the group that would ultimately write a catechism, and not only write a catechism, but champion the work of catechesis throughout, throughout the ACNA, um, I jumped to the chance. So, Lee, you've um, instructed us already uh, about catechism. You've talked to us about catechesis. Uh, what is a catechumenate? Mm. A catechumenate is kind of, if, if um, you might compare it to something like a computer, right? Uh, the, the software is what it does, right? It's kind of the instructions it runs, all those things. And that would be very much like, the catechism, it's the content of the computer. Um, catechesis is what it does. A computer um, runs computations. Um, the catechumen, it would be something like the operating system. Um, it's, it's how it does what it does. Um, so the catechumen, it is how we catechize. It's, it's the framework within which we do that work. Um, the, the catechumen is not a kind of thing that either um, exists in one place and doesn't in another. 
but it is something which is at the heart of the church's life. Um, uh, the church has always had a catechumenate. Um, we see this in the, in the opening pages of the Acts of the Apostles. You know, there are people who desire to be baptized. They need some instruction. At first, it's very little because these are people that are well-schooled in, in, uh, in all the things that uh, the apostles themselves were well-schooled in. Um, but over time, there becomes this deep need for, uh, for um, a framework within which this work of instruction takes place. Um, strictly speaking, a catechumenate is what uh, those people who are not baptized uh, and are seeking to be baptized and are seeking to become Christians are a part of. Um, it doesn't preclude the membership in the catechumenate of catechists, of all Christians. Um, all Christians are a part of the catechumenate. Um, all Christians are being instructed. All Christians are um, seeking uh, not just deeper knowledge, but a, but a deeper life of prayer, a, a more obedient life, and uh, that all comes to bear in the catechumenate. Um, the ancient catechumenate was uh, a body that had great expectations for Christians and what they would do and how they would live during the time in which they were preparing for baptism. Um, in our own day, you know, one of the one of the interesting things about where we are today is that we have um, really become almost full circle in the sense that um, we have so many people. Um, you know, in any given year in the ACTNA, we have a thousand people who are adults who are being baptized. Um, and so that means that we've got a, a thriving and, and living catechumenate. Um, and so the catechism is primarily focused on what is the content of that, um, that time period um, before baptism. Um, also, it focuses on what is the content of the instruction which we give to all Christians, um, especially those who grew up in the, in the church. Uh, Lee, this is all uh, tremendously helpful. Um, uh, you talked about the generation in which we are in. Uh, uh, talk to me about why there was a need to develop a catechism uh, and prayer books that we have received uh, from those who have gone before us. There have been catechism. Uh, 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 many in our diocese, uh, in the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, uh, have been formed and fashioned by the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. So why a need for another catechism? Right. Well, catechisms have been, have been re revised, or the Anglican prayer book catechisms have been revised on multiple occasions. Um, the classic 1662 catechism is a carryover from the earliest prayer book catechisms, and it actually includes a fourth part, which is a part on the sacraments. Um, it was sort of a way of saying now that the Commonwealth is over and now that uh, we have... Uh, and now that we have sort of the upper hand as it is, we're going to start to include instruction in the sacraments as well. Um, the need for uh, catechism revision is largely due to great shifts in society. Um, in, a, in a Christian society where there's a basis of sharing a mutual grammar, for instance, I mean, people can use a word and Everyone generally knows what that word is. Um, you, you don't have to define as much, um, and you can basically uh, operate as if um, everyone knows what everyone else is talking about. Today, that's not really true. Um, uh, words that Christians used to use and understand that everyone knew what, generally what we were talking about, that's just not the case anymore. Um, 
there are also, of course, as we all are aware of, shifting attitudes on and and positions on several things, shifting worldviews, um, a wide variety of takes on uh, the world we live in, and uh, uh, and that requires much greater clarity, is what I would say. Um, and well, uh, we're not always or often. Um, catechizing complete and total pagans, um, we are doing it on occasion. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we're doing it, I would say, actually more often than we than we would imagine. So there's a great need to uh, fill in the, the details and fill in the vocabulary and uh, really get clarity of thought uh, started. Um, Lee, this is a tremendous gift that you and uh, those working with you have given to the church. Uh, I'm so very grateful for it. Obviously, the House of Bishops, we wrestled with it and are just so uh, blessed by uh, the work you and your team uh, have done. Uh, for some people listening, they might think, I've never heard of this catechism, and so we'll make a... Um, a, a, uh, a note in the uh, show notes of the podcast for people to get hold of it. And I encourage its use and uh, I commend its use in the church. It's a tremendous gift uh, to us. Lee, uh, just take us through, why did you develop it in the form that it's in? So uh, our guests can't see sure. this obviously because they're listening, but I'm holding the catechism in my hand. Uh, it's a weighty book, uh, but why did you develop it and, 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 and the structure of the catechism? Take us through that, because that's intriguing. Right. So uh, catechisms follow a very uh, long tradition. Um, and even when the reformers invented um, out of nothing uh, the question and answer format of a catechism, they were still working upon what they were reading in the Fathers, for instance, about how Christians ought to be trained and taught. And we see in the Fathers things like um, instruction on uh, the baptismal creeds, instruction on, uh, on prayer, instruction on uh, the moral life, and, and on top of all that, instruction on the sacraments, which uh, in the ancient church actually followed after one's baptism, usually. Um, and so catechisms have been structured lar largely along that thing, along that method. Um, you know, often people will talk about, and, and indeed, um, one of our members, Jim Packer, talked about these these three pillars of catechesis, which are always the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and the Ten Commandments. And you can find amazing uh, similitudes in this. For instance, you know, uh, the the Apostles' Creed is an instruction in faith. The Lord's Prayer is an instruction in, in hope, and uh, the Ten Commandments are are uh, an exploration of of how we can be, how we can love our neighbor, and how we can love God, um, and that uh, also translates to things like um, uh, oh, the the great uh, three transcendentals, right? Uh, truth, beauty, and goodness. I mean, so all of these things have this really wonderful coherence, um, and uh, it's it's uh, it, it, we we intended from the start to write a, a catechism that was both highly traditional in terms of its format. Um, that that means that we have the question and answer format. Um, it means that we have uh, it's been set up largely along those three pillars. But it also was a break from those traditions because it meant that we were going to be writing a catechism that was much more accessible, much more uh, aimed at instructing um, unbelievers, the unchurched, um, and uh, and that was really the aim from the start. 
So it had to be much thicker. And I remember when I first kind of made the pitch for the catechism to the bishops, it was it was something along these lines. You know, it needs to have over 350 questions. It needs to be, uh, it needs to address all manner of things that catechisms have never addressed before, uh, like marriage, like um, uh, even even really basic things like what is grace? Um, what is what does it mean uh, to be saved? Um, all those questions are really uh, at the heart of um, what we are already doing in a whole number of ways in terms of instruction. Um, but I would say, given what we've really come to know, is that um, in a lot of churches, there just wasn't this um, rigor in the basics. And so that's really the gift of the catechism is it, it establishes what the bare minimum standard for instruction in a church ought to be. <laughs> and I think that's really exciting. Yeah. It's, it's super exciting. And, it, and it's also um, uh, uh, very instructional. And you've talked to us about that being the basis of the catechism. For example, uh, we're in the season of Lent. You've talked mm -hmm. uh, about various um, uh, uh, questions of the foundation of faith. Let's look at uh, 203 of the catechism. What is temptation? The response, mm -hmm. temptation is an enticement to turn from faith in God and to violate his commandments. Now that's instructional for us. It's there. It's important for yeah. us to consider that. Uh, let me share with those listening how I've used the catechism even this past week. Uh, somebody contacted me and said, I found a copy of a Bible. It's called a Catholic Bible. It's got all these extra books in it. Uh, can you help me understand what they are? And so I referred them to 35 of the catechism. Uh, do yep. you have your copy there, Lee? I do. Yep. Can you I've take got 35 and just read that to us? Uh, so if people might say, goodness me, what's the Apocrypha? And you'll be able yes. to uh, talk to us about that. I apologize. I don't have that memorized in the new version, so I'm just going to have to That's uh, okay. You can pull it up. Read it. <laughs> and, and, and all of these things are very instructional for us. And right. uh, that is one of the great gifts of the catechism. And I encourage everybody listening to get a copy and to use it yourself and use it uh, in your instruction of others. Are you there? Sure. With yeah, I am. You know, and incidentally, this is a thing that happens all the time. And I'll have very often new people new to our church, new to the tradition, sitting in my office, and I'll, and I'll just I keep a bunch of catechisms on hand. And I just push them across the table and say, take and read. And it's, and it's really wonderful. Uh, and then they come with their own questions after reading for certain portions of it. I'm meeting with a young guy tomorrow to do that very thing. But uh, in answering this question about the Apocrypha, what are, what are the Apocrypha? The 14 books of the Apocrypha historically acknowledged by this church are pre-Christian Jewish writings that provide background for the New Testament and are included in many editions of the Bible. They may be read as examples of faithful living, but not to establish any doctrine, which is true as it goes. I mean, we we, we have that uh, in the Articles of Religion, Article 6. We also have that it's just basic historical information about what they are, about what it is. Um, and uh, it's, this is a great example of a question that, um, you know, really any Anglican can get behind, I think. Um, it's, it's very not, it's not controversial at all. It's very, uh, very basic. It follows the articles. It, um, it, uh, it, it just simply states um, historic facts. And, uh, and so it's very helpful in that regard. It is indeed. So you went through a process with a, a group of people. Uh, tell us, um, uh, any people that we should know that who were on that group? Yeah, so um, most of, you know, it's an amazing thing. Um, there, most of the people who were really writing on 
for the catechism are uh, people whose names are in the front of the catechism, but who are really unknown to a lot of people. They're, not, they're very few famous people. Um, you know, there are some seminary professors that were involved in it uh, at both uh, Trinity School for Ministry and at Neshota House. There are people uh, uh, in the Anglican world that are very well known, um, such as uh, Justin Terry and Jim Packer and uh, Stephen Knoll, and I'm just giving a few. Uh, and then, um, but the, I would say that, yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> but I was, uh, I was always very humbled by the fact that um, the people who were really thrown, who really threw themselves into the writing were happy to be anonymous. They were, these were people who were working away in the trenches, um, who were happy to never be famous, never be known. <laughs> and, uh, and they're, and they did such a wonderful job on it. We're taking a short break in the middle of this episode to thank you for being a listener to Living Through the Word. This is a podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast or our diocese, please visit adlw.org on the web or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you swing by our website, stop in and sign up for our mailing list. It's right on the front page and it's the best way to stay on top of ADLW news. If you'd like to partner with us by providing monetary support, please click the Donate tab under the Living Through the Word menu on adlw.org. Thank you for being with us today, and we hope that you'll continue to be a listener to Living Through the Word. I'm talking with uh, the Reverend Lee Nelson, rector at Christchurch Waco in Texas, uh, a master catechist and member of the Provincial Catechesis Task Force, about to be a Christian an Anglican catechism of the Anglican Church in North America. Lee, you've talked a little bit about uh, those who are on the task force with you, but you did more than that. You opened up opportunity for members of the Anglican Church in North America to respond. Now, that that was um, th- th- that was a risky thing to do because you were receiving <laughs> intensest responses about everything. In fact, numerous members of our diocese made responses to you. Just sure. tell us a little bit about that process and how it worked. Yeah, so we had an email address that was set up uh, for that purpose, and um, people really responded uh, in a myriad of ways. Um, everything from telling us that we were apostate and uh, we would be <laughs> cast into hell at first chance uh, to people oh, the saying, grace of God in the uh, church is wonderful. I know. Um, <laughs> to, to people saying, you know, you've, you've gotten a lot of things really right and a lot of things just need to be tightened up a little bit. And here are some suggestions as to how you can do that. There were some really helpful comments. Um, there were some controversial comments as well. I mean, uh, I think... We, we know this of Anglicanism, that there are people at every end of the spectrum and everything in between, and they really want their particular strand to be well represented. And, and uh, there were points at which we could just recognize we've not done that well. Um, there were other points where we said the thing that you're asking for to be enshrined in a document that is meant to uh, describe um, an Anglicanism that we're all behind um, is actually excluding uh, and not and not um, not helpful in the enterprise for which the catechism has been set up. Um, you know, I, I, and I've I've learned this through the years and just talking with people about the catechism. There are people who just say, 
you know, this just doesn't describe my brand of, of Anglicanism very well. And, I'm, and I sit there and say, well, you know, it doesn't describe mine very well either, but it is the faith. <laughs> and, uh, and that means that we're, we're hitting the right chord. It, it, it's descriptive of the basics. It's descriptive of not this tribe or that one, but, but what we are all a part of. And then, um, and of course I say as well, if you're teaching this, you should absolutely teach what you think needs to be taught as essential um, or what you think needs to be, um, especially when you're, when people are being catechized within the context of a, of a real congregation, a real church. Um, absolutely, you're going to say, this is why we do this, and this is why we do this, and, you know, here's my take on this, or here's my opinion about this. Um, and so that was part of the feedback loop as well. Um, and uh, and that fed into uh, many of the revisions that were that were ultimately offered. One of the great gifts, I believe, of the Anglican Church in North America and of the Global Fellowship of Confessing Anglicans (GAFCON) is the concept of taking our Bibles seriously, taking yes. the faith seriously, taking the doctrine of the church seriously, taking worship seriously taking our relationship with one another seriously, and also taking order seriously. Yes. Uh, and the catechism helps us to understand many of those things. Um, Lee, how, how do you suggest uh, that the catechism is used with regards to uh, new believers and those who are coming sure. new to the faith or coming perhaps into an expression of Anglicanism for the first time? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think I can kind of kill two birds with one stone on that question. In a lot of ways, the process of catechizing um, someone who does not yet believe and the process of catechizing the, someone that already does believe, because of how absolutely and tragically short we've been on catechesis thus far in the church's life for the last hundred years or so, probably more, um, is that there isn't that much difference, actually. <laughs> um, it means that people are coming in with, with a good amount of content already, some of them. Uh, but at the same time, there are people who really uh, have been in the church their whole lives, and they really don't know anything. Um, and it, it's not to say that knowledge should be held up as the, as the prime uh, good, but it is to say that um, it can be done in one, in one, uh, in one process. Um, I do think that there needs to be some special things added on for uh, those who are coming from outside the church, uh, those who are not believers, um, and and really that just regards use of time and uh, and spending a lot of time with people in that regard, um, really spending a lot of time to answer their questions, a lot of time to ask questions of them. Uh, where are you coming from? What's your life like? Um, what, what are your habits like? What are you what do you do on a daily basis? Um, uh, and, and it involves very direct and relational teaching of prayer and, uh, and building an example for people. Um, and that happens outside of what, what we might call formal catechesis, but it is still catechesis. Um, and so I think that's something that, that can be really brought to bear. Um, Lee, I've got, I've got three more questions. Sure. The, the first one is, um, uh, what say you to those who say, why the heck do we need a book of instruction like this? I've got my Bible. All I need to do is read it. Well, I, you know, I'm the I'm I'm the first one to say, read the Bible. Okay, read the Bible. Absolutely, you should read the Bible. The issue has always been 
um, for those uh, who've not read the Bible or who have read it and don't understand it or don't understand what it means. I mean, you think of the Ethiopian eunuch, right? He's, he's riding there in the chariot and he's reading scripture. He's probably been reading scripture for all his life, but he doesn't understand what it means. And someone has to come alongside him and explain it to him. And what needs to be explained is actually the doctrines that are at the heart of Christian believing. Um, so I'll say a couple things to that. One is that I find that doing this question and answer very rigorous format of catechesis actually um, accelerates Bible reading and Bible comprehension in my people. Um, it doesn't decelerate it, it accelerates it. They can read and they can understand. Why can, well, how is it that they can understand? Well, they understand because the framework within which they understand scripture is that uh, most basic teaching of doctrine. The other thing that I would say is uh, scripture is not always easy to understand. Um, sometimes it takes knowing certain doctrines uh, in advance. It requires a kind of um, apprenticeship in reading. Um, and that happens by that exchange, that really dynamic exchange of, of teaching a teacher to a student, um, a discipler to a disciple. Um, and, and I'd say in addition to that, uh, we've had a steady diet in the church for the last long while of topical Bible studies, of um, teaching through book after book. And the research shows us very clearly that Christians are not well uh, catechized. They're not knowledgeable in the most basic doctrines of Christian believing. Um, and we'll see this in the coming weeks, I guarantee it. We'll see someone right before Easter will publish a kind of finding of a survey that shows just how little Christians, Christians know about the resurrection, for instance, um, how poorly instructed they are. Um, and, and I think... The, the basic accounting for that is that uh, scripture study, for whatever reason, and I'm, I'm, I, I know my limits, so I know when, when not to say anything, for whatever reason, it's not yielding the kind of fruit that uh, we would intend it to yield. Well, why is that? Well, I think, it's, I think one reason is that um, scripture, uh, scripture requires a kind of guided reading. Um, it really does require um, authority to read it properly, um, and it requires some manner of instruction to read it properly. Um, you know, and and that's and I'll just kind of tell you in in uh, in just what people tell me, which is that um, they've gone through this process in our parish of catechesis, and they come out the other end and they say my reading of scripture has become so much more full, so much more exciting, so much more clear. Um, and I, I just have to say thanks be to God for that. Um, because, uh, because they have a, they have a framework within which to understand it. Uh, I'm reading uh, 34 out of the catechism with regards to the Holy scripture in your life sure. through the Holy scripture, the Holy spirit will teach rebuke, correct, and train me in the righteousness that God desires. The prayerful yep. study of Scripture forms me for life in Christ and the service of God and my neighbor. And that's what you're saying. And so the catechism itself helps us, under helps, helps us understand the catechism uh, and the sure. reading of Scripture and the understanding of doctrine. Penultimate question, um, uh, use with young people and children. Uh, is there a place yes. for this catechism there? 
Yes, there's a really wonderful place for catechism with for, for the use of a catechism with children and youth. Um, and let me just say a few things about that. The first is that little children are sponges and they love to memorize things. So uh, my kids are all still very young for the most part. The oldest is 13 and they're memorizing catechism question and answers. And our children in our catechesis programs in our church are memorizing catechism questions and answers. Not all of them. But the good news is they don't have to know all of them. They just, they just a few, just here and there. Um, some children are memorizing all of them. Um, and they're memorizing the scripture texts that go with each question and answer. And it's amazing what they're able to do. Um, I think we, we underestimate uh, the ability of children to do such things. So that's, that's a, really important, a really important piece. And we might say, well, can they understand it? And the reality of it is that uh, a six or seven-year-old doesn't really understand immediately. But what they're doing at that stage in life is they're applying the basic grammar and vocabulary that they've learned and the meaning of words uh, to understand, um, to get to that point where they understand. Um, I'm reminded of that, that wonderful adage, you know, faith seeking understanding. Um, and, uh, and, you know, the reality is that a young person, a young child starts off in a place of faith. And, and to be really uh, blunt, I think we spend a lot of time in education models really trying to help children understand um, rather than just giving them the information, right? Filling yeah. them with a grammar and a vocabulary. Uh, today's school students don't know what an adverb is, you know, and, and uh, so they don't have basic grammar skills. Um, so, so they're trying so to understand before they know how to use a language. So, so I said three questions. I'm adding one because this sure. has uh, 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 tricked my interest. Uh, one of the podcasts I listened to from time to time had a wonderful discussion about uh, catechism. And those leading it were debating with young people and children, the Bible first or catechism first? Yeah. And they were mixed, as some were saying, all learned Bible scholars, all, all, all teachers of the Word of God. No, definitely the Bible first. Let the Holy Spirit teach mm. the Scriptures and the Catechism will explain why we believe what we do. Others were saying, no, the Catechism first, so that when we, when we get to the Bible, um, uh, uh, we've got some understanding of the basis of faith. Uh, do you have a position? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's both. It's both and. Um, the, the reality of it is we have to, we have to do both. Um, and especially in this age in which uh, Bible knowledge is in the tank and, uh, and, and doctrinal knowledge is gone, uh, both have to be taught. And it's something that I'm always, you know, as, as one who regularly has to examine ordinance for before they're ordained, I'm always shocked and horrified by how little they can actually relate the doctrine that they've learned to scripture and how how rarely they can relate scripture to the doctrines that they know they believe. Um, this is this is a very big problem. problem. And, and what we wind up becoming is a people that are at the end of the day, um, not just un-Anglican, but barely Christian. <laughs> that's that's a that's a very sad place to be. Um, and so uh, you know, it's one of the reasons that in the Catechism we put in line the scripture references. And it's not to be a proof text. It's, it's to say all of scripture or all of doctrine for an Anglican comes from Holy Scripture, all of it. Um, a thing cannot be taught as necessary for salvation that's not in scripture. Um, and that is our firm, uh, our firm belief. And uh, 
it's something that we call people to and and uh and uh and so we teach it and uh and that's really the the joy of being able to work through a catechism is that um it's not merely working through a catechism you're actually working through scripture as you're doing this um and uh and if someone and and I also believe firmly that m many people will ultimately they're, they're going to take this catechism home and they're going to they're going to read through it and they're going to look up the scripture references and they're going to do their homework and and uh, and they're going to benefit greatly from it. For so kind of a final question, Lee, and I'm so grateful mm -hmm. for your time uh, to be with us this Lent and 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 uh, share this resource with it uh, with us. How do people get hold of it? Where do they get it from? Uh, how can they yes. get a copy? The Catechism is published exclusively by Crossway now, so we have a deal with Crossway that Crossway is the exclusive publisher of the, of the Catechism, which is really good news because it means that uh, you can get a copy very easily uh, through various channels. Um, we don't expect that it'll go out of print uh, anytime soon. We know that we can get um, lots of copies. Uh, the best way to order it is actually to get a church account through Crossway, um, and that's you can just do that through their website. Um, instead of it being a personal account, you get a, you get what's called a church account, and uh, and uh, if your church doesn't already have one, uh, but if you do, uh, you can just order it, and I think there's something like eighteen dollars a piece um, by the time that all rolls around in there. And there um, there are nice hardcover editions. What we've done at our church is we've we've told everyone, hey, we really want you to have this. So if you absolutely need to just grab a copy, grab a copy, grab a copy. They're everywhere in our church. Um, <laughs> they're kind of hard to miss. We make sure they don't run out. Uh, and if you are inclined to, you know, uh, make a donation, uh, you know, the suggested donation is $20. Um, and uh, we think that's worth it. We also have started giving everyone who's new to our church a copy of it. Um, just, you know, uh, and, and the plan for the fall actually is that everyone who's in our new members class will receive a copy of the prayer book and the catechism uh, for use in their own home. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Father Lee Nelson, thank you so much uh, for joining us on this episode of Being Through the Word. Great to have you with us. Great to have you, you on the program. Let's just pause for a moment, and I'm going to conclude by praying one of the prayers that are included uh, in the catechism uh, for growth in the knowledge of Christ. Mm. Let us pray. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life. Grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal glory. Mm. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace.